Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We begin with important news for the estimated 45% of Californians who rent. The state's eviction moratorium has expired, but as KQED's Erica Kelly reports, applying for rent relief can still put off an eviction, at least for now. For over a year and a half, California has had an evolving series of protections in place to help keep people housed, especially vulnerable renters who lost jobs and income as the pandemic took its toll on the economy. But even as the moratorium expires, there are still limits in place to help ward off a feared wave of evictions. In order to file an eviction with the courts, landlords need to show that they or their tenant have applied for rent relief and have been denied. The state is strongly encouraging people to apply for that aid and wait patiently as it slowly makes its way through the applications. To qualify, renters need to have suffered a pandemic-related economic loss and make less than 80% of the median income in their area. According to the National Equity Atlas, more than 700,000 California renters have some rent debt, totaling nearly $2.5 billion. Meanwhile, renters who live in some places around the state will continue to have stronger protections from eviction. That includes Alameda, Los Angeles, and Solano counties, and cities like Fresno, Berkeley, and Oakland. For the California Report, I'm Erica Kelly. California should see big changes in police practices and an increase in transparency and accountability for officer misconduct because of a set of bills the governor signed into law yesterday. The signing ceremony took place at a Southern California park where a man, Kenneth Ross Jr., was shot and killed by police three years ago. KQD's Alex Emsley has more. The laws include an expansion of police transparency, allowing public access to cases involving racial discrimination, unlawful arrests, and excessive force by officers. And officers fired for serious misconduct may now be decertified, preventing them from being hired at another police agency. State Senator Stephen Bradford wrote that legislation. Many times it says black and brown people hate the police. We don't hate the police. We fear the police. Additional new laws raise the minimum age to be a police officer to 21 and establish education criteria and ban restraints that can cause suffocation, such as pinning a person face down. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. Now, groups representing law enforcement officers say some of the new laws could undermine the ability of police to keep the public safe and are overly broad when it comes to definitions of police wrongdoing. 
Let's turn to the pandemic. A San Diego judge has denied an emergency injunction request stemming from a lawsuit that's been filed against the state over its mask mandate in schools. The lawsuit was filed by two groups who are pushing for COVID-19 restrictions to be lifted at schools during the pandemic. The groups argue that students should have the right to choose whether to wear masks in the classroom. The Newsom administration says it's pleased with the judge's decision, arguing masks have played an important role in the return to in-person learning. A prominent California lawyer who advised President Donald Trump on overturning election results is facing calls to be investigated and possibly disbarred. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer reports. On January 6th, Chapman University law professor John Eastman stood next to Rudy Giuliani at the Stop the Steal rally in Washington just before the violent march on the U.S. Capitol. All we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at one o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this so we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. It caused students and faculty at the private university in Orange County to loudly protest Eastman's appearance. One week later, the school announced Eastman was leaving. If I had been asked four years earlier to represent Clinton or had been asked to represent Obama over his uh, election issues, they'd be throwing ticker tape parades for me. During the 2020 election, Eastman opined in a Newsweek column that Kamala Harris was not eligible to be vice president, citing her parents' citizenship status when she was born in Oakland. Many saw racism in that claim. Eastman says he's a victim of simply supporting Donald Trump. They started demanding my firing back in December, long before this. I mean, even talking about the evidence of election fraud, you know, sent them ballistic. But Eastman wrote a memo outlining how Vice President Mike Pence could declare Trump the winner in spite of the results. UC Irvine elections expert Rick Hassan says Eastman and other promoters of lies about election integrity place the nation at great peril. Now we're in a position where things are worse because the Republican Party is being purged of those heroic Republican election officials and elected officials who stood up to Trump. Hassan, who used to debate Eastman on election-related issues, says he's gone off the deep end and there needs to be consequences. John Eastman should be disbarred. There should be an investigation into what he did to try to manipulate the outcome of the election. UC Berkeley Law School Dean Erwin Chemerinsky agrees, saying Eastman's behavior and role in the election have gone far beyond free speech. It wasn't a law professor expressing a viewpoint. It was an individual writing to the president and vice president of the United States outlining how to stage a coup. That's why I think it does warrant bar investigation. The California State Bar never says if it's investigating an attorney. Its investigations are kept private until they're complete. Meanwhile, John Eastman says he continues to stay busy with his legal practice. For The California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. 
special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Reports Weekly Magazine. This week, they dive into a new podcast from Valley Public Radio called Escape from Mammoth Pool. It tells the story of a successful large-scale rescue from a forest fire in remote wilderness. Over Labor Day weekend in 2020, the fast-moving creek fire tore through stretches of the Sierra Nevada northeast of Fresno, trapping hundreds of people at a lake, including Carla Carcamo, whose family camp there every year. But this time, flames were moving fast, ash was starting to fall, and she couldn't find some family members who had taken off on a hike. All I heard was like a, like a snap. It was a tree coming down. And then like a shh. And it just hit the floor. I ran. I have no idea how I ran that fast. It was a crystallizing moment, because as much as Carla ached for her brother and sister, other people had been accounted for. Carla's parents, young cousins, a disabled aunt. For their sakes, it was time to go. We had to. We had to leave them. Because it was either you stay and you burn up, or you go and you leave them. I don't remember if I was crying just because I wanted to not do that for my mom. But I do, I, me in my head, I just kept saying, the Lord is our shepherd. And I couldn't remember the whole prayer. All I kept saying is, the Lord is our shepherd. He will protect us. Nothing's going to happen to us. I said, God is great. God is with us. And I was just trying to, like, control my my emotions, you know? Valley Public Radio's reporter Carrie Klein's new podcast is Escape from Mammoth Pool. To hear how all 242 campers and 16 dogs were saved in a dramatic rescue, tune into this week's California Report magazine on some public radio stations or on its podcast. This week, the California Report is losing a key member of our family, our team. My co-host Lily Jamali is moving on to exciting new challenges outside of KQED, which produces a show. Lily came to the California Report as co-host and reporter in 2018, and it's overwhelming what she's been able to accomplish these last three years, all while regularly waking up at 3.30 in the morning to tape our show. Here's the California Report senior editor, Angela Corral, with a look back on Lily's time here. From her earliest days on the job, Lily made clear that she wasn't afraid to ask uncomfortable questions. Here she is less than a month in, interviewing then-gubernatorial candidate Gavin Newsom. Can I ask you an awkward question? (laughs) I don't want to say yes, because then I'll regret saying yes. The answer is yes. I'm just going to throw it out there. Your ex-wife is dating Don Trump Jr. You had the courage to be the first one to ever ask me this, which I admire, just the courage of that. And just a few months after Lily started hosting, the campfire wiped out the town of Paradise. 
It was the deadliest blaze in California's history, and PG&E eventually pled guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter after investigations revealed the utility ignored warnings about its aging power lines, the same power lines that sparked the fire. Ever since, Lily has been one of the leading voices of accountability for campfire victims. And in March 2020, before the pandemic hit, she went to Crossville, Tennessee to check in on a group of relocated campfire survivors who invited her there. Among them, Dan and Sherry Wentland. Two days after the fire, as paradise was still smoldering, Dan drove in and got a look at the damage. He was once the mayor and saw countless homes, businesses, and churches that he and Sherry had built over decades destroyed. I just said, this will never be my town in my lifetime again. And so I just made that decision. We're gone. I just said, we're leaving. We're not going to stay here. It'll never be what we knew again, ever. So we chose to leave. Lily also brought deeply personal perspectives to the show. Like this conversation in the wake of the 2020 U.S. drone strike that killed commander of Iranian forces, Qasem Soleimani. It's when Iran makes international headlines that Iranian-Americans like me get asked by colleagues and friends what we think, what we know, and what might come next. And often the answer is, I don't know. But I'm glad you asked. Lily's hard-hitting news chops and intelligence are obvious. But on top of that, she's also just fun and funny, even at the crack of dawn. Sorry, guys. I don't know how to turn my snooze off. I really, one day I'll learn. Husband hates me for this. <laughs> There's two buttons, stop and snooze, and I always press the wrong one. <laughs> Meanwhile, my family is all in Hawaii right now. I have family vacationing in Hawaii, and I'm just like, I hate all of you. <laughs> 20th yeah. time's a charm, I tell ya. <laughs> she even talked the writer Susan Orlean into coming on the show after an iconic drunken tweet storm in the summer of 2020 when we were all inching towards our own pandemic existential crises. Let's talk about the morning after. What went through your mind when you saw the response? I woke up and looked at my phone and was astonished, really astonished. And another, and a friend had texted me and said, you're trending. And I thought, I'm trending, I'm hungover. What do you mean I'm <laughs> trending? Lily, thank you for your thoroughness and energy, even in the wee hours. Thank you for your dedication to the California Report and to Californians. And best of luck as you continue to push for change in the world. For the California Report, I'm Angela Corral. And finally, my own goodbye to Lily. As you heard, she's a reporter's reporter, smart, curious, and always relentless in her pursuit of important stories. And on a personal level, she's always been gracious, warm, and supportive. Oh, and she usually laughs at my off-mic sarcasm, and she's a fellow UCLA Bruin. I and we wish Lily the very best, and I can guarantee you we will all continue to hear great things from her. Just stay tuned. And that is the California Report for Friday, October 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Chris Hoff, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. 
I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement and the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 